Hi, you're listening to Bonus Points, the official podcast of Mr. Astle's Theology Class. Join us as we put out into the deep and explore the world of theology and beyond. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite prayers, the Liturgy of the Hours. Let's begin. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 33 of Bonus Points. So sorry for missing last week. That's back to school season for you, I hope. Uh, well, you know how busy things can be. So, But we're here again with episode 33. Before we begin, I do want to give an update to episode 22. Back in episode 22, we talked about sedevacantism, and we specifically highlighted an antipope, uh, a guy by the name of Dave Bowden, who claimed to be the legitimate pope, going under the name Pope Michael. Well, it's come to my attention that a few days ago, relative to when I'm recording this, uh, Dave Bowden actually passed away. So, of course, I do not believe that he was the real pope. I believe that he was tremendously misguided in many aspects of ecclesiology, but I do believe that he was sincere. And so um, I'm praying for the repose of his soul. I hope you will as well. So uh, as always, I would encourage you to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts, to like and share and just help spread what we're doing here. Um, Find somebody who you think would enjoy it and send it along to them. So I'm excited about today's topic because it's something that I love and it's something that I try to do regularly. Um, Now, my prayer routine, like anybody else's, is going to change and evolve throughout the year as my schedule changes, especially being a teacher and having such a different schedule during the year versus the summer. Uh, So as we're getting ready to start school again, and as I'm recording this, the first day of school is just one week away for us here at St. Joe's. Uh, and I'm actually here, our, the, the faculty's having their, we're having our first meetings later today. So fun, fun. But I'm thinking about, you know, how my schedule is going to change now, pretty much. And that means there are going to be some changes to my prayer life. And what we're talking about today, the Liturgy of the Hours, is something I want to try to incorporate more. So we call this prayer the Liturgy of the Hours, also known as the Divine Office. So let's back up. Where does this come from? What is, what is this thing and where does it come from? Well, we're going to back up all the way to the Old Testament. What we find is that King David writes psalms and he commissions others to write psalms and others are inspired by him to write psalms. So we get this, this book of the Bible, the book of Psalms, this collection of sacred songs that were used for liturgical worship. Um, and they were also used for private devotions. People would memorize the psalms to pray them on their own. By the time of Jesus, the Psalms were the prayer book of Israel. Um, You would have memorized Psalms and recited them daily. We hear Jesus reciting Psalms. Um, The early church continued doing this. The the early church incorporated Psalms into the Eucharistic liturgy, um, the Mass, but also outside of it. And we are going to have a future episode on how to pray with the Psalms, where we'll talk a little bit more about where the Psalms come from, from a biblical standpoint. But continuing with history, we have the the desert fathers and mothers, these early hermits who would go out into the desert, and they would pray all 150 psalms every day. Once monastic communities start to form, they would pray the 150 psalms together. And they would, over time, they divided this into different hours or different times throughout the day where they would meet and pray some section of the psalms. Uh, Now, 
I'm going to use the word hours quite a bit in this episode because we're talking about the liturgy of the hours. Hour in the sense does not literally mean 60 minutes. Um, it just, it means time. So when we talk about uh, morning prayer as as the first hour of the day, that it doesn't mean it takes an hour. That just means it's the first time. So this practice of dividing up the Psalms into different hours started to pick up other elements like different readings and hymns and canticles and all, all this other stuff that, that kind of builds up into a prayer service. Like the Mass, this prayer service called the Divine Office uh, has its own book. So the Mass has the Missal. The Divine Office has a book called the Bravery. Eventually, um, instead of praying all 150 Psalms every day, it got spread out to a week. So throughout the week, there was this cycle. Uh, and that made it more accessible for priests uh, who were not monks. Like, So you have monastic priests, but you also have like parish priests. Priests who were not monks were able to, to join in and participate because it was more spread out. And other non-monastics, even lay people, were able to start praying the divine office when it became more spread out. And then after Vatican II, the one-week cycle became a four-week cycle, and that's where we are today. Um, so let's talk about what the divine office looks like, it, its structure overall, but also the structure of an individual hour. So the day's made up currently of seven hours. So the first one um, is called the Office of Readings, also called Vigils or Matins. Now, technically nowadays you can pray it at any time throughout the day. Um, most priests that I know will just kind of, they'll pray it whenever they have a chance. But traditionally, Matins was prayed in the very, very early morning or even in the middle of the night, hence the name Vigils. After this, around, so I'm going to give times for these, those are usually pretty flexible as long as, you know, morning prayer has to be in the morning, but traditionally it's prayed at 6 a.m. So you have morning prayer, also called louds. At 9 a.m. you have mid-morning prayer or terse. At noon, midday prayer or sext. 3 p.m. is mid-afternoon prayer or nuns. 6 p.m. is evening prayer or vespers. And then finally at 9 p.m. you have night prayer or compline. And again, so you'll notice those are three-hour intervals. Uh, the Latin names actually, most of them come from their, their numbers. So terse is the third. Um, the reason for that is 9 a.m. is the third hour after sunrise, which we standardize at 6 a.m. So the exact times will be different. Different monasteries will publish their schedules of when exactly they're going to pray these. But those that every three hours breakdown is kind of the traditional way to do it. So the first hour of the day which is either the Office of Readings or Morning Prayer, depending how you're doing it. Um, the first hour, whichever one it is, always begins with the prayer, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise. And I highlight that because, like, imagine you are a monk and you're praying vigils at 3 a.m. Or let's say you wake up early to pray morning prayer and these are the first words you say that day. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise. What a beautiful way to, to start talking for the day, right? That so often we spend all day talking and sometimes we're not especially careful about the words we say. Uh, but this is a good habit to get into, to sanctify those first few words. And by doing that, to hopefully sanctify the rest of our speech as well. After this, the first hour um, 
has a psalm called the Invitatory, which is usually Psalm 95. Again, this is a psalm of praise, and it invites us, come, let us sing to the Lord. What a great way to start the day. So that happens at the first hour, which is either the office of readings or morning prayer. All the other hours, if it's not the first one of the day, um, begins with this refrain, God, come to my assistance, Lord, make haste to help me. Um, I love this a whole lot. If you're one of my students, you know that every day we start class by saying that. That's how we start the prayer at the beginning of class. And this is why, um, in, in part to tie our class in with the, the life of the church, the liturgy, the hours. But it's also a good reminder, no matter what kind of day you're having, no matter what you're doing, it's always appropriate, right? There's never going to be a time where you say, you know, God, I don't really need your assistance right now. Um, you know, take your time. Take your time coming to help me. No, we always need the Lord's assistance and we need it now. We need it always. So every other hour starts, God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Now, that's kind of, um, that's how we start. We're going to look at the structure of the two major hours. So morning and evening prayer are kind of the, the hinges of the liturgy of the hours. All of the other hours, um, or I should say all of the other daytime hours are really shortened versions of that. Night prayer is like a shortened evening prayer. Um, so I think by looking at morning prayer or evening prayer, it's going to give us a good sense of the whole. So the first part of morning slash evening prayer is called, so you have the greeting, uh, usually you sing a hymn, and then you have what's called the psalmody. Um, this is made up of two psalms and a canticle. A canticle is a psalm-like prayer from somewhere else in the Bible. So it's not from the psalms, but if you read it, it's more poetic, um, than, than say like a historical reading. So we might take an excerpt from one of the prophets. A lot of them are from the prophets or from the letters of St. Paul. So morning prayer has an Old Testament canticle and evening prayer has a New Testament canticle. Each one of these psalms slash canticles is bookended by what's called an antiphon. So before you start the psalm and when you end the psalm, you recite a short verse that kind of captures the essence of the psalm and, and helps you um, really pick out what you should be looking for. When we pray the psalms in community, so if you have more than one person praying the Liturgy of the Hours, the psalms and canticles are prayed antiphonally, which means each stanza alternates sides. So if you ever go to like a monastery or a friary and watch them pray the office, you'll see it's like the left side of the room will pray the first stanza and then the right side of the room will pray the second stanza and they'll keep going back and forth like that. Uh, now, obviously, if you're praying the liturgy of the hours on your own, you're just saying the whole thing. Um, but it's always nice with that to have that kind of back and forth or call and response element to it. Ideally, the liturgy of the hours is going to be chanted. Um, but reciting it is fine too. I mean, I mostly pray it on my own. I'm not chanting for the most part. Uh, but I do want to have a future episode on sacred chant and why it is such an important part of our patrimony. Anyway, so you have the psalmody, which consists of two psalms and a canticle, and then a short reading from scripture, usually just a couple of verses, um, and a responsory, which is similar to the responsorial psalm that we have at Mass, where again, it's, it's kind of a call and response. Um, and after this, we have a gospel canticle. So like the canticle that you did a minute ago, it is a, a poem of praise. The difference is 
This one always comes from the gospel. So morning prayer, evening prayer, and night prayer each feature a gospel canticle, and they're all from the gospel of Luke. So at morning prayer, we pray the Benedictus, which is Zechariah's prayer um, when John the Baptist is born. And then it's the one that goes, um, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. At evening prayer, we pray the Magnificat, Mary's prayer, when she's greeted by her cousin Elizabeth. Um, My soul magnifies the Lord, right? That's what Magnificat means. And then at night prayer, we pray the Nunc Dimittis, which is what Simeon prays after he holds the infant Jesus in the temple. Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Um, By the way, if you didn't pick up on it, the Latin names for those, the Benedictus, the Magnificat, and the Nunc Dimittis, are all from the first words of the prayer in Latin, because that's how we love to name things. Anyway, in morning and evening prayer, um, after you have the gospel canticle, you have intercessions, just like the intercessions we have at Mass. There's an Our Father that's prayed, and then a closing prayer. So each of the hours is going to have a liturgical structure. It's going to have, it has rubrics that that we follow that... um, kind of give it a familiar outline, even if the exact psalms and readings are going to change throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year. Um, and even though, like I said earlier, we call them hours, but they don't take an hour. The major hours, morning and evening prayer, usually take me about 15 minutes if I'm reciting it. Um, if you chant them, they're about half an hour. Now, there is such a thing as a solemn vespers service that might get closer to an hour, but that'll usually include a Eucharistic benediction as well. So it, it'll, it fits, you know? Um, but usually praying the liturgy of the hours does not take very long, which is part of why it is such a great devotion for us as lay people to at least incorporate some of it. You know, even if you say, I only have 10 minutes, that's more than enough time for night prayer or for one of the daytime hours. So what, that, that's kind of what it is and how it works. Um, let's talk about the names for a second. So I mentioned that we call it the Liturgy of the Hours or the Divine Office. So when we say the Divine Office, um, the word office here is obviously not referring to a room. It's referring to a, a task or a duty. So when we say that it's the Divine Office, it is, it is the sacred task, the sacred duty. This is the primary work of contemplative monks. So if you think about like a monastery, They do a lot of different things, but the primary thing they do, the most important part of their rhythm, is praying the office. Everything else is at the service of that. So when they're out working in the fields, that's so they can grow their own food, so that they can eat, so that they can pray. Um, When we talk about vowed religious, like monks and nuns and friars, they have an obligation to pray some or all of the hours. So a contemplative order will probably pray all seven. Um, A more active order might only have an obligation to pray five. Priests have an obligation to pray five of the hours. And what they'll do for that is they'll pray the office of readings, morning prayer. And then instead of praying mid-morning, mid-day, and mid-afternoon, they'll combine those. They'll pick one of them and call it daytime prayer. And then, of course, evening and night. Deacons also have an obligation to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, but they only have to pray morning and evening prayer. Um, So they all have that office, that duty to pray it. We also call it the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, This is probably the name it's more commonly known by today. Liturgy here is an important word because 
liturgy refers to public prayer, right? That Greek word liturgia, uh, work of the people or public work, refers to a public prayer. And so when we say that the liturgy of the hours is a public prayer, it's a liturgy. That means that even if you're praying it alone in your room, like you get up in the morning, you pray morning prayer, you're the only one in the room, it's still considered a public prayer because you're still praying liturgically, you're still praying with the church. And so in the same way that even a priest's private mass is a public prayer, um, like if you have a priest who says mass just by himself, it's still a public prayer. Same with the liturgy of the hours. It is a liturgical action. And after the mass, the liturgy of the hours is the official public prayer of the church. Um, I love the analogy that says that the mass is like a jewel and the liturgy of the hours is like the crown or the setting that surrounds it, that holds it, and that supports it. So why should you pray? You're listening to this and you might not be convinced yet. Why should you consider incorporating part of the liturgy of the hours into your day? So number one, the church desires it. Vatican II specifically asked um, ask the church and asked the, the pastors of the church to help lay people embrace the liturgy of the hours. Um, Vatican II specifically says that wherever possible, at least some part of the office, ideally one of the major hours, should be prayed publicly in the parish, like in the church. So the church wants you to do this. The church wants you to at least know about it and consider incorporating it into your prayer life. As lay people, we don't have an obligation to pray it the way that a priest or a monk does, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't or that we can't. So that's reason number one, the church wants us to. Reason number two, this is a great way to obey St. Paul's command to pray without ceasing. So there, there's a lot we could say about the idea of praying without ceasing, but the liturgy of the hours is a great way to sanctify the day. You know, it introduces that rhythm to your day where, um, you know, you might, ideally you, you don't forget God, right? Even when you're going about your life, doing your errands, you're still thinking about God, but realistically our minds wander. Having the liturgy of the hours as this stable rhythm throughout the day for me, at least, it, it means my mind can never wander too far before it's brought back and refocused. And it, it kind of introduces those breaks throughout the day where you stop, you refocus, and, and you remember why you're doing what you're doing. So reason number two, it helps us to pray without ceasing. Um, and along with that, the idea of sanctifying time, my third reason is that the Liturgy of the Hours is a great way to worship God. So when we think about worship, um, it's always about sacrifice, right? So we're given things by God. Worship is when we we sanctify them and give them back. So, um, and that, that kind of applies across the board. You think about Old Testament sacrifices, you take the, the livestock or the grain or the oil that God gave you and you give it back. What do we do with the time that God gives us? Are we using it well? Are we sanctifying it and giving some of it back? Um, somebody made a, another comparison that the Psalms that you pray in the Liturgy of the Hours is like incense being offered to God, right? That is, uh, you're taking the time that God gave you and you're giving it back to him. So reason number three, it's a great way to sanctify time. Number four, um, because the Liturgy of the Hours is a liturgical prayer, it is superior to other private devotions. Now, 
don't get me wrong. I have, there are many private devotions that I love. The rosary is a private devotion. I, I have a very strong love for the rosary. But because the office is liturgical, that places it in its own category. Um, it's not just one more private devotion among many. Because this one is a liturgical action, it, it's kind of in a, it. yeah, I'll say it, it's above. It's in its own category. Um, this is also a great way for us to incorporate liturgy into our domestic church. We talk about the home as a domestic church. This is a great way to bring the liturgy into that church. And then, okay, so yeah, that was number four. It's a liturgical prayer. It's also a way of joining our prayer with the universal church. So again, because it's liturgy, it's public, but you know when you're praying it that all around the world, there are priests, there are religious, there are lay people that are praying with you. They're praying those same Psalms. You know, they're, they're not only praying at the same time as you perhaps, but you're all sharing this prayer together. Um, and so it, not, it connects you horizontally to the other members of the church throughout the world. It's also going to connect you with the church in the past, the church throughout time. Um, like I said, the Psalms were the prayer book of Israel. They were the prayer book of Christ and the apostles. They were the prayer book of the early church. And so when we pray the Psalms, that's, that's placing us into this stream of history, into this connection, not only with other members of the church throughout the world today, but also throughout time. There are some times where, you know, you're, you're praying a psalm. You're, you're, the, the Liturgy of the Hours gives you the psalms to pray. And it's a psalm that's expressing a very strong emotion. And it's not always the emotion that I'm feeling in that moment. You know, it, and it kind of, it can be a little bit jarring sometimes. I'm having a really good day. Um, but then I'm going to go and pray Psalm 88, which talks about how my, all my friends have abandoned me. My only companion is darkness. Um, and it, at first it seems kind of weird. Like, I don't feel this right now. But the thing about the liturgy of the hours is that you're praying it with the church. Somebody in the church is feeling it. So we have these experiences where the Psalms don't match up with what we're feeling, but it matches up with what somebody is feeling. And so we can offer that prayer for them. Because again, it's a liturgical prayer. It's a public prayer. It's also a great way of incorporating scripture into your prayer. Um, you know you should read the Bible more, right? Like I don't have to tell you that. But it's not always easy. So the Liturgy of the Hours is a great way to incorporate more Bible into your prayer time. Because again, it's almost entirely scripture between the Psalms, the readings, the antiphons. Um, the vast majority of the hours is going to be scripture. And along with that, my final reason here, praying the Liturgy of the Hours is a fantastic way of learning and memorizing scripture. The early church placed a really strong emphasis on memorizing scripture, in part because before the printing press, before literacy was common, you didn't have your pocket Bible that you could just whip out. Um, you had to memorize it if you wanted to know it. And so they, there was a really strong emphasis on memorizing scripture. Praying the, liturgy, well, praying the liturgy of the hours is a great way to memorize scripture without trying. Um, it, and even just like those canticles, if you pray morning prayer, you're praying that canticle of Zechariah every day. If you pray evening prayer, you're praying the Magnificat, Mary's prayer every day. It doesn't take that long to realize, hey, you have it memorized. You don't need to flip to that page anymore. Um, and you weren't even necessarily trying to memorize it. There are certain Psalms that I have memorized because they show up 
over and over again in the liturgy of the hours. Um, and that's such a, such a beautiful thing, right? To be able to memorize scripture, to encounter something and to just have the word of God spontaneously in your mind. You don't have to look it up. It's just, it's right there for you. Um, there are, you know, dozens of experiences I could talk about with this, but one that comes to mind is there was one morning I was getting ready to leave for school and it, I think it was winter. It was, it was still dark out either way. And, um, I looked up and I, you know, it was a very clear night sky, early morning sky, and I could just see so many stars and, you know, growing up in a suburb that didn't have a great view of the stars and now living in an area that has a little bit of a better view, they still get me every time. Um, but this particular time I'm walking to my car and I just stop and look up and without even trying to just the, the words of the Psalm, I think it's Psalm eight came to mind. It was, what is man that you care for him? What is mortal man that you keep him in mind? The moon and the stars, which you arranged. And then it goes on, it praises like the, the wonder of God's creation and as a sign of love for us. And I didn't set out, I didn't say I'm going to memorize Psalm 8 today, but it was there. And it just, it kind of sprung up in my heart when I saw that. And so if you're looking to incorporate more prayer or more scripture into your prayer, if you're looking to memorize scripture, praying the liturgy of the hours is a, I don't want to say easy way to do that. Um, but it's, it's maybe a, it's a sneaky way, right? You're memorizing without trying. So all of those reasons and more why you should at least consider incorporating the Liturgy of the Hours. So at this point, you might be thinking, how do I do that? Well, my advice to you, pick one of the hours to start with. Um, pick night prayer. It's short. It's the shortest one. It's a great way to kind of end the day. Um, just to get a feel for it, see if you like it. After that, add one or two other hours. Um, morning prayer, evening prayer, and night prayer is a good like that's a good framework. As a layperson, assuming you are a layperson listening to this, you're not expected to pray all seven hours. And depending on your state in life, depending on the responsibilities you have, it might not be possible or prudent for you to pray all seven hours every single day. Um, maybe, maybe not. But my advice, start small, get a, build that habit, get the routine, and then add from there. So how exactly do you access this? I'm going to give a couple different options in order from, let's say, easiest to most difficult. So the first thing I'm going to recommend is an app called iBrevery. And in the show notes, I'll have links both to the App Store and the Google Play Store. I like this app because everything is right in front of you. Um, no ribbons required like the books have. Uh, it, you just pick which hour you want to pray and all of the prayers are right there. The books, like the breviary itself, can be complicated because you have a four-week cycle, you have the different seasons, you have saints' feast days. Some of them are movable, some of them don't move throughout the year, um, and they all kind of, all these calendars interlock in, in different ways, and it's a little bit complex. Um, even for somebody who knows the liturgical calendar, it's not always easy to figure out, like, where do the ribbons go? Um, iBrevery takes all of that out of it. It's just, it's right there. You don't even have to worry about it. Second recommendation is the Hallow app. I've mentioned Hallow before, but in case you missed it, um, Hallow's the number one Catholic app. It has different prayer audios, guided meditations, Lexio Divina, and it has night prayer. 
So Night Prayer has a one-week cycle. Um, so every Monday, it's it's the same psalm, every Tuesday, etc. Uh, and Hallow has audio versions of each of those days. So you can listen to Night Prayer um, as you're getting ready for bed. Another resource that I am going to recommend is the Word on Fire Liturgy of the Hours booklets. So Word on Fire is the media apostolate started by Bishop Barron. You've probably seen their videos. Um, they just recently started publishing monthly booklets for the Liturgy of the Hours. So like iBrievery, everything is right there in front of you. You don't have to figure out, you know, you don't have to flip from different sections. It's all just right there. Um, the books contain morning prayer, evening prayer, and night prayer. So again, really good place to start for a layperson. Um, if you've ever seen the Magnificat booklets, that are the Word Among Us booklets at church that have the daily readings and they come out every month, it's like that, but for the Liturgy of the Hours. And so Bishop Aaron started publishing these specifically to help lay people find out, like discover the Liturgy of the Hours. Okay, so those are those are the three, let's say, easy options. Uh, the iBrievery app, the Hallow app, and the Word on Fire booklets. If you want to go all in and you want to use the quote-unquote real books, um, there are two versions out there. One of them is a one volume that's called Christian Prayer. It has all of morning prayer, daytime prayer, evening prayer, and night prayer. Um, and the whole year is in one book. It's got some ribbons, but you'll, you're smart. You'll figure it out. Um, and then the full version, the version that your priest uses, the version that monks use, is a four-volume Liturgy of the Hours, so different liturgical seasons will use different books. But the structure is similar to Christian prayer in the sense that the different parts of the hours are in different places. You got the ribbons. The, the nice thing about that, so let me get, kind of give the pros and cons here. I like using the book um, in part because then I don't have to worry about getting new booklets. Uh, with the Word on Fire books, the, the pro is they're on paper, but you have to get a new one every month, um, where the, the full books, you can just use it forever. So it's, it's right there for you. Um, iBrievery is nice because it's, it's all right there, but at least for me, I'm not super good at praying with a screen. Um, that temptation to just switch over to another app where there's a break or when I'm done is a little bit too, I'm not good at it. So you might be, that might be a good option for you. If you're looking for a good middle ground um, where you get all the benefits of praying with a paper book, but without the confusion of trying to figure out where the ribbons go, I would recommend those Word on Fire books. I've tried them out. Uh, I tested them out this summer and I like them. So I'm going to have links to all of these in the resources, the iBrievery app, the Hallow app, the Word on Fire, Lit Liturgy of the Hours books, um, the Christian Prayer one-volume version, and the full four-volume version. I do want to give fair warning. Christian Prayer and the four-volume set are not cheap, and there's a new translation that's going to be coming out in the next two or three years. So personally, I'm, I'm waiting to buy the four-volume set until that comes out, but you do you. Um, so in the resources, I'll have links to all of those. I'm also going to link to a book that... Uh, really helped me understand. I'd already been praying the Liturgy of the Hours, but this book helped me understand it better. It's called The Everyday Catholic's Guide to the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, it, it explains a lot about why we as lay people should pray the Liturgy of the Hours, and it, it gives a good starter guide. If you do want to dive in with the books, it tells you how to, 
how to use them, how to do that. Um, and not only that, if you have a formed subscription, a subscription to formed.org, you can get that book for free as an ebook. So go do that. Um, I think that's that's really all I have for you today. Make sure you check out those resources. I would encourage you, try out the Liturgy of the Hours. Try out Night Prayer. Just go for it. What's stopping you? As always, make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. Um, or heck, go subscribe to it in other apps too. Um, <laughs> make sure you share this episode, share the show with somebody who would enjoy it. And as always, check out our website, bonuspointspodcast.com. There you can submit ideas for future episodes and questions for future episodes of Question and Astel. For right now, that's all I have for you today. That's going to do it for today's episode. I'm Mr. Astle. Thank you for joining us once again as we continue every episode to put out into the deep, exploring the world of theology and beyond. <laughs>